Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. Sponsored by Tech Help Boston. Success stories, how a woman got to where she is today, including all the hard stuff, the detours, the roadblocks, the bumps along the way. That's what this show is all about. In the spotlight, a woman who is paving her own way in the commercial real estate industry, where she focuses on retail. As co-owner and co-founder of Boston Urban Companies, she and her team have facilitated close to $2 billion in transactions. That's right, billion with a B. Her focus is in delivering exceptional results for her clients. And in today's pandemic environment where stores, including restaurants and bars, are closed, I just had to talk to this woman to take her pulse and to get her thoughts on where we go from here. Plus, I want to know her story. I'm looking forward to the business side and the personal side of her life. She's a wife, she's a new mom, and she's a longtime equestrian. Her name is Anne Earhart, and this is her story. Anne, welcome to the show. Hey, Candy. Thanks for having me. It is so great to talk to you today. So let's just jump right in. Give us a view on the state of the state for commercial retail here in the United States right now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Sums it up better than I ever could from a technical standpoint. The overall pulse, as you said right now, is short-term pain for sure. I think that especially in urban areas like the Boston-Cambridge area, where I'm lucky enough to do business, I think that shops and retail is all going to come back and people eventually are going to get back to restaurants and we're going to be okay. And in the meantime, it definitely dings. Retail requires people getting out and doing things and it's shut down. People can't go out to restaurants. People can't go out to stores. And candidly, I think in the near term, it's only going to get worse before we start to see it get better. I'm guessing that your job has kind of turned into crisis management. How are you keeping your clients calm in this kind of an environment? Our group consists of two major teams under our company. We have a more traditional transaction and brokerage company called Boston Urban Partners that actually hit a major milestone at the end of April. We had our 10-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. It was great to have something to celebrate in the midst of all of this. Real quickly, I do want to give a shout out to my partner in Boston Urban Partners, Jonathan Dutch. JD, thank you for all of your support. Can't wait to let her rip for 10 more years. And then in addition to Boston Urban Partners, we have a newly formed design and advisory service called Boston Urban Places. The transaction market is frozen. It sort of is like a freeze frame in time on March 15th is where the transaction market is right now. And I don't think it'll get moving again until retail shops and restaurants are are able to open up and people start to get a feel for what the new normal is. So crisis management is a great way to put it. We've had a bunch of both owners of retail real estate and operators of shops and restaurants coming to us, asking for help sort of negotiating this time. How do we pay rent? What do we do about charging rent? How do we sort of put a Band-Aid on this, whether it's 30 days, 90 more days while we're shut down, and then start to 
bring both sides, both the, the owner and the operator, how to kind of bring them together in order to have a sustainable relationship going forward and what that looks like. The plan is to begin reopening Massachusetts, at least for phase one on May 18, and that may change. Some states, though, like Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, North Dakota, Texas, they're open with more to come. When you talk to these restaurateurs in particular, what do they say? Do they say, give us a chance, we can make social distancing work? What is their state of mind? It varies so much restaurateur to restaurateur. And we've heard sort of the whole spectrum of, oh my God, doom and gloom to we're going to get through this and we're going to be okay. The general consensus is that as a result of the shutdown, up to 25% of restaurants won't reopen in the Boston Cambridge market, which is crazy and sad. And I'm not looking forward to seeing who's included in those 25%. I'm sure there'll be places that my my husband and I love to go and love to take people when we're showing off the city of Boston. The folks that are planning to reopen, the best way that I can describe the plan really is a short-term band-aid with social distancing. What's it all going to look like? How do we rehire our staff? How much of our staff do we need to rehire? We have to have a conversation with our landlord because if our lease is predicated on serving X number of people per day and the rent that we agreed to is based on serving X number of people per day and now we can only serve 50% of X, we have to have, have some help or have some relief in here or else we're going to be bleeding money by being open. And so most of our conversations are really around making sure folks have the support that they need from the real estate community in order to be able to reopen. Because I think all of us that are in this, the people that own real estate, the people that occupy real estate, us as patrons, we all want the same thing. We want these restaurants to be open. We want them to be successful. We want all of the things that we're passionate about city living to still exist. And we've all just got to be a little bit patient and jump in together while we figure it all out. Saying that 25% of these restaurants may not reopen is devastating. Those are the ends of dreams and goals for so many people. Boston Urban Partners has a strong commitment to the community, always has, and I'm guessing you're going to tell me always will. Tell me about your efforts during this crisis. We've tried to be really active in a whole bunch of ways, starting with the easy stuff, putting our money where our mouth is, donating to charities that are giving money to restaurant workers that have laid off, giving money to charities that are helping our healthcare workers. Healthcare, obvious, is such an important part of the Boston-Cambridge economy, and the economy being strong is what then feeds the retail and restaurant industry being strong. Starting with the easy stuff, posting on social media, or reposting all the great things we see. There's been a great hashtag, buy a gift card going around. Buy gift cards to all your favorite restaurants. Help them get some income in the door so that they can reopen Longer term, the harder things is still kind of a day-to-day navigating process, actually, you know, beyond donations and posting on social media. Longer term, trying to figure out some more concrete things that we can do to help our community. And then on a personal level, you know, my husband and I are trying to also be there for the charities 
that we're personally involved in. Let's go back to the founding of your company in 2010. Your partner, as you mentioned before, JD, Jonathan Dutch. How did you two come together to form the company? What inspired you to do this and to take this big leap? Jonathan and I share a common link at another brokerage firm in the Boston market. He and I had never actually worked a day together before we started our company. We had a third partner when we started the business who brought us together a few years ago. He subsequently left and and went his own way. So Jonathan and I kind of looked at each other and took a a big, big leap of faith in figuring out if if this was going to work or not. And I'm I'm not going to say it's always been the, the smoothest, easiest path. It's a path that I wouldn't change for anything in the world. I think over the 10 years of having our business, we've really learned how to focus on the ways we complement each other instead of focusing on the ways where we have friction. And that's been one of the most important lessons, not in my career, but in some ways in my life. I know when to go to him and say, hey man, I know you're not gonna like this, but I, I gotta pull on the reins a little bit. We, we gotta take a step back. And he knows when to come to me and says, I know you're not gonna like this, but I'm, I'm gonna give you a push. You can do something that you're hesitant to do right now. I know you can, and, and I'm gonna push you and make you do it. Entrepreneurship takes guts. What do you think are the key ingredients to success in any business? The biggest key, and it's taken me a long time to realize that I used to think it was all these other things, being quick on your feet, being this, you know, being that, being kind of this, you know, what you picture like Wolf of Wall Street persona <laughs> who, if, if you met me, that is the exact opposite of who I am. I think one of the biggest keys to success that I've learned is wanting something. When I started in this business and commercial real estate, while improving, is still a heavily male-dominated industry. I can count on one hand the number of meetings that I go to in a year where I'm not the only principal-level female. When I was starting in the business, there are a lot of other guys kind of coming up around me. And my God, you know, what am I doing here? These guys seem like they have, you know, more the personality of of what you would envision. But I, I wanted it. I wanted it so badly to be in this business and to succeed in this business. And I've seen that in so many people that have worked for me, so many people that I work with outside of our company, that wanting something and being willing to be determined to get your butt kicked, to get back (laughs) up and show up every day and keep wanting it. I think that outperforms sort of any natural inclination eight days a week. Walk me through what your companies offer to your clients. We have Boston Urban Partners and Boston Urban Places, and those two combined create Boston Urban Companies. The Boston Urban Places is an entity that we just started and launched in October of 2000. 19 this summer when I was home with my feet up, haha, on maternity leave, (laughs) I was also putting together this whole new service that we then launched within the month of me coming back from leave. And the idea between the two, we provide information and decision-making capabilities throughout the whole arc of the retail creation lifecycle. 
owners and developers of real estate come to us sometimes as early as the building isn't even under construction. It is a floor plan. It is a vision. It's something that they're trying to go get permitted. And we work with them to kind of come up with when this is built, what is the experience on the street level? How much shops and retail space and restaurant space do we need? How do we design it? What should the storefronts look like? Who's the audience? What do they want? And then we work backwards into a strategy to put it all together to make it happen. Boston Urban Partners is a transaction company, and we actually go out and bring retailers and restaurants and owners together and help them make the financial deal. And then Boston Urban Places kind of acts as the bookend. It comes back in after the transaction is made and helps the two parties get the actual restaurant or get the actual store open, knowing that retail construction, especially restaurants, it's expensive, it's complex, something that you really want a specialist handling. The reason that we went out and formed what we refer to as the BU Places entity is that traditional brokerage firm success is measured on getting a lease done. Okay, we got hired for this project. We brought the two parties together. A lease got signed. Our job's done. On to the next. And kind of going back and tying in our commitment to creating great communities, we realized that wasn't enough. For us to feel successful has to be some place that's thriving, a coffee shop with people in it, a restaurant with people sitting outside on the sidewalk. It, it has to be something open and that the community thrives, bringing in this additional service to help create the actual product that we're going to go lease and then help the two parties come together and make it a reality. That's why we went ahead and, and pulled the trigger on starting that arm of our business. And it's been great. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. These days, more and more people are working from home. When your computer breaks down, you lose business. This is Dave Elmasian, president of TechHelpBoston.com. Our tech experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer. Same day, next day, and weekends too. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted us since 2000. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. It takes teamwork to put a weekly series like this together. I am so grateful to Jordan Rich and Ken Carberry for giving the story behind her success a home at Chart Productions. And to Dan Tebow, our editor from Fast Twitch Media. J.C. Valeris at Platinum Circle Media, who handles our social media marketing and so much more. Thank you all for making me look so good. Tell me a little bit about a project that you and, and J.D. are particularly proud of. Some of the projects that have been really exciting or that maybe would be really indicative of, of kind of what we do, probably six or seven years ago at this point, we did a project on Congress Street in the Fort Point Channel. The border is the seaport, so it's the old historic wharf building part of the seaport district. We did, over the course of a 24-month engagement, put together a, a merchandising plan and made it into a little of sort of a restaurant row. The one people know the most is Row 34, the seafood restaurant. 
you know, that was really exciting when we first went over there to look at the project. You know, nobody was talking about the seaport yet. It, it was sort of like crossing the channel. It was like, oh my God, like this is kind of, this is kind of far. Um, and so painting the picture and painting the vision and getting people to believe in it was, was awesome. Let's step back just a little bit, because I believe that we are all formed and shaped and founded by our own childhoods and the people who've made us who we are today. Can you talk a little bit about where you come from and what was your early life like? I grew up in the suburbs outside St. Louis, Missouri, have both my parents in the house and I have a little sister. Uh, All three of them now actually live just outside West Palm Beach in Florida. You know, growing up in the suburbs of St. Louis was a a great place to grow up. My parents were really great role models for the two of us. They managed to strike that balance of having high expectations, always expecting that whatever we were doing, we were doing our best at it. At the same time, they were also really good at celebrating the little things along the way. What was the message then in your house about work ethic? Because I have to think as somebody who went ahead and did what you've done with your life, it had to be pretty strong. My dad is an entrepreneur. He had a business developing shopping centers all across the country. And both of my parents have an amazing work ethic. Two themes kind of come back to me from my childhood, one of them being to whom much is given much is expected, meaning I had a stable family. My parents saw to it that we got a great education, really had everything we could ask for. My parents did a great job of instilling in us, you know, that we were pretty fortunate. And and when you have all that, you know, make sure you go out and do great things with it. There was a ton of humor. We were a a pretty funny bunch to, (laughs) to hang around with. Balancing the drive with levity and, you know, being able to laugh through almost every situation. In reading about you, I learned also that you are an equestrian and you love to ride. Your sister buys and sells horses. Tell us a little bit about what do you get out of being on a horse? Oh, my God, it's a sickness. It's addicting. Gets in your blood and it, it never gets out. So I don't get to do it nearly as much as I would like to. But when I do... You know, it really is a form of meditation for me. It's one of those things that when I'm on a horse and, and I'm, I'm really engaged, I'm not thinking about anything else. And it, it almost always is kind of a fail-safe way to wipe the slate clean. Meaning if I go to go riding and I've got a million things on my mind and what am I going to do with this situation at work? And what am I going to do with that situation? And ah you know, 30, 45 minutes on a horse and sort of is a a good way to put it all down for a little while. You are just about to celebrate your very first Mother's Day. So congratulations. Your son is about to turn one year old in June. You got to milk that day, Anne, for everything it's worth. (laughs) Let me teach that to you right now. How did your life change when you became a mom? So I was an English major, so I spent four years learning how to put words together to express myself. And I have no words to express 
the experience of motherhood. Uh, you know, you go to meetings, oh, how's motherhood treating you? Oh, it's great. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. All of those things are true. And it just feels so inadequate to describe what it's like to have a baby. Did you always know what you wanted to do with your life? I was an English art history major at BU. Even when I graduated, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Real estate had always sort of been everywhere in the atmosphere in my house. My dad was a, an entrepreneur with a real estate business. It really surprised me when I realized that I wanted to pursue a path in real estate. I think what I love and what drew me to the industry that I chose and that I, I still love and choose every day is that while growing up in the suburbs was great, I always really loved cities. I loved visiting cities. I loved um, the freedom of a city that you can just, we don't need a car. You can walk outside your door and life is just happening at your doorstep. I love the sense of community. You know, growing up in the suburbs, community, it's a little more formal, maybe. You know, if you want to get together with people, you have to arrange it, invitation to someone's home, and, and, and that's all great. But, you know, a city, you can walk out your door and walk to your neighbor neighborhood coffee shop and be there amongst people. And so getting into retail and restaurant real estate was a, a way to kind of put all that together in, in a way that's interesting to me. What's the best piece of advice, Anne, that you've ever received, whether it be in your personal or your professional life? And can you pass that on to some of the people that are listening right now? I'm sure I've gotten better advice than this. So anybody who's listening, who's given me great advice, thank you. And I'm sorry, it's <laughs> not the first thing that's coming to my mind. It was the weekend before I was going to quit my current job and start Boston Urban Partners. And I'd gone down to New York to visit a friend of mine. We were standing in her kitchen. I remember a little fourth floor apartment on Barrow Street in the West Village. And we'd had a few glasses of probably pretty cheap white wine. And she said, you know, okay, like, well, what, what's up? You know, you've got something on your mind. And I was like, listen, next week, I'm going to quit my job. I'm starting this new business. I've got a partner that I've never worked with before. And I'm freaking out. And she looked at me and she said, Anne, sometimes you have to do things that make you feel like you're going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, if I'm, you know, about to do something that I've never done before, and you, you get that feeling in your the pit of your stomach and it's not pleasant you know it's not something that that any of us would choose to live with 24 7 but it you know it, it also sometimes to me is like a signal like okay you know I'm, I'm ready to take the next step here looking back through the rearview mirror on a career that continues to unfold right now what are you most proud of because you've done an awful lot I think the thing that I'm most proud of is the brand that we've grown the team that I have working with me without whom I could do next to nothing. The fact that, that we have this company that we started 10 years ago in our main competitors, our major global real estate corporations. That's a pretty big deal to me. You mentioned earlier that very often for you, as a leader and a manager and owner, You'll walk into a room and you're the only woman there. 
What do you say to other women who are listening to this program about the ability to command a room when you're a female? What works for you? How do you get people's attention? I would say to women who are either starting in their career or thinking about getting into any career, whether it's a a male-dominated industry or not, really look inside and get a feel for what it is that you uniquely bring to the table. Even if it's not what the given stereotype is of sort of what somebody should look like in that particular industry, you understand how you function the best and how you sort of get to that place of flow. Really channel that and try to cultivate it and bring it with you. By way of example, the people in my office call me the master distiller, and I'm not making booze in my bathtub or anything. <laughs> what, what they mean by that is, you know, just naturally, I have the ability to take in a ton of information from a ton of different sources and kind of mush it all together in my brain and draw conclusions and draw trends and say, okay, based on all of this, this is how we're going to use our resources and this is this is where we're going to go. I think if I was giving advice to somebody sitting where I was sitting 10 years ago is, you know, if it'll be hard, you know, be, be prepared for hard work, but be open to learn and really try to work on bringing who you are to the business every day. Final question. I do believe that women see their careers and their success in chapters. And if I had asked you 10 years ago when you started your company, you might have a different answer to this question than you have right now at this moment. What does success mean to you, Anne? I know that success isn't a static destination. I used to think, oh, if I can just get this deal done or do this, then I'll be successful. And that doesn't really work for a couple of reasons. I think sometimes looking at success that way can make you cling to things long after they've been helpful to you. I think sometimes that it can give you tunnel vision and maybe you don't see some other better opportunities for personal growth around you. I'm a firm believer in how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Success to me is understanding what I want, not what other people want, not what other people want for me. What do I want and how am I gonna allocate the hours in my day to live what's important to me? And I wanna say thank you so much for sharing your story and for being so candid with all of us and best of luck to you and your company. Even in hard times, I know you're gonna do just fine. Thank you so much for being our guest on the story behind her success. Awesome, thank you so much. And thanks for the encouraging words. They're um, much needed and appreciated right now. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?